A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus was setting out on the journey when a man ran up, knelt before him, and put this question to him. Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You must not kill. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not bring false witness. You must not defraud honor your father and your mother. And he said to him, Master, I have kept all these from my earliest days. Jesus looked steadily at him and loved him. And he said, There's one thing you lack. Go and sell everything you own and give the money to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But his face fell at these words, and he went away sad, for he was a man of great wealth. Jesus looked round and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded by these words. But Jesus insisted. My children, he said to them, How hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They were more astonished than ever. In that case, they said to one another, who can be saved? Jesus gazed at them. For men, he said, it is impossible, but not for God, because everything is possible for God. The Gospel of the Lord. The story of the rich young man is well known to us. And it's a story that applies to all of us. Because the disciples ask this question, if this is how it is, who can be saved? So evidently, it's not just the rich that our Lord was speaking about, but each and every one of us. Our Lord, we're told, was set not on journey when this young man ran up. He shows great respect for our Lord, for we're told he knelt before him and put the question, Good Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He'd heard our Lord speak, no doubt, about the kingdom and how we must become like little children in order to enter in. But he, his approach to our Lord is that of, um, he approaches our Lord as, a, as one who is a good teacher, a good master, a good man. Where, of course, Christ is much more than this. And our Lord answers him according to the spirit with which he questions. Good master, our Lord says, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. In other words, we cannot judge goodness without reference to God. And only God is absolutely good. Our Lord is indeed a good master. After all, he called himself the good shepherd. And the Holy Spirit, he also said, is the good spirit whom the Father sends. So goodness in its very essence belongs to God. And all of us, in some way participate in this goodness 
and our sins merely um, detract us, take us away from the goodness to which we ourselves are called. So our Lord begins by putting the nature of goodness into um, perspective. And then he continues. You know the commandments. So to be good, it's necessary that we keep the commandments. To reflect God's nature, we need also to keep the commandments. So the Lord begins, you know the commandments, you must not kill. God is the Lord of life, and it belongs only to God to take life, as he himself alone gives life. And so the Lord begins with there, and then um, goes through the whole of the second tablet, in other words, the way we relate to our neighbor. And the young man responds, Master, I've kept all of these from my earliest days. He speaks with sincerity, straight from the heart. He has done his best to keep the commandments. And for this, we're told, our Lord looked steadily and loved him. He loved him because he loves those who keep the commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments, he said. So if we love him, he loves us even more. St. John tells us exactly that. It's not our love of God, but God's love for us, which comes first. And loving him, the Lord saw that he desired much more than what life could offer. Life on earth, that is. He wanted life and abundant life. So the Lord says to him, if you want this life even to begin here on earth, there's only one thing you lack. What does he lack? He has everything. He's a rich young man. Well, that's exactly it. He has everything except the one thing that really matters. So he says, go and sell everything you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Make an exchange. For the Lord never takes anything from us without giving us something better. Just as when a child has... Um, uh, uh, some something wanted something that's that's injurious to us and that's injurious to it, you know, such as a scissors or a knife. It's not sufficient just to take it away from the child because the child will immediately start making a fuss. But we give it something else to distract his attention. And so this is how our Lord Himself treats us. He may take away the things that we hold on to that are injurious to us, but only to give us something far better. And he doesn't just call it wealth, but he says riches. You have treasure, treasure in heaven. So for the money which we necessarily must leave in this world, he offers us uh, imperishable treasure in heaven. And so he says, go and sell everything you own. Not part of it like Ananias. Know everything and give to the poor. And then come follow me. This, in fact, would make him happy if only he could embrace such an a, um, invitation. We told his face fell at these words and he went away sad for he was a man of great wealth. It wasn't the following of the Lord that was difficult but rather the surrender of his wealth. Whilst he was wealthy he was able to keep the commandments. So wealth in itself is, is not a sin. 
But however, the love of it, as St. Paul says, the love of money is the root of all evil. And already his heart was, uh, was, was enamored by his wealth rather than um, love of God, in particular, a love of Christ, for which our Lord looks around at his disciples. How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. Why is it hard? Because to enter the kingdom of God, we must love God above all things. And the disciples were astounded. But our Lord only insisted how hard it is. It is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were more astonished. Who can be saved? But our Lord is speaking about the rich. Far from it, he is speaking about everyone. For all of us have earthly loves. And so when they say who can be saved, they interpret our Lord as, as I said, looking at every one of us who, has, who is enamored with earthly things. For men, he says, it's impossible, but not for God. Everything is possible. And so who is the camel? Our Lord perhaps is referring to his own self as the camel. It's easier for him to pass through the eye of a needle. For the needle itself can injure us, it can prick us and cause us to bleed. But that's exactly what our Lord did. By his scourging, he bled for us. A needle also is used to, to repair, to darn clothing. And that's exactly what our Lord did by passing through the eye of a needle, by his sufferings, he was able to restore, to repair our wounded nature. And so it's easier for him, who is God, to suffer the cruelty of the passion than for a rich man by his own efforts to enter the kingdom of heaven. And so in, by offering us this example of his suffering, we recognize the pr and, the, and see the proof of his love, which is real and tangible. And it is this we depend to cause us to love him above all things and to leave all things visible for his sake so that we might inherit eternal life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.